Good evening and welcome to On Resistance. This is Bobby London and today we will be talking about housing and the crisis around it. Thanks for listening. This is Jay and uh, we're back from Fun Drive. It's good to be back. Um, no, we haven't been on consistently too much, but we always enjoy when we do return. <laughs> and uh, we have been having some guest DJs actually the last month or so. We had uh, DJ Brother Jamel and we also had Deaf Sound. And so we thank them for also sharing their music on the airwaves. So on today's topic, um, you can't really talk about housing without talking about gentrification. A lot of times, people, specifically the white, claim to be colorblind gentrifiers, are bothered by the idea that gentrification is a bad thing. You know, don't understand why people are so against how development happens. Um, in predominantly, you know, major cities and, and communities that are non-white. The reality of gentrification and why it's so violent is several reasons. One, that because of white supremacy, white people are able to move and travel freely and live in any neighborhood they pretty much choose to. And communities, you know, specifically like black communities or undocumented communities can only live in certain areas, neighborhoods that we're even allowed to like rent at. And so when these neighborhoods start to become hip, you know, places for white millennials, then it becomes where are we supposed to live? Where can we go? Because we can't just go and, you know, easily rent an apartment in West Hollywood or for people in New York, you know, the people who are getting pushed out of Brooklyn and Harlem can't just get an apartment in Manhattan, especially where they have housing boards within those apartments that historically have been racist and classist. I do agree that there has been a kind of reactionary push to neutralize the term gentrification, where people, mostly white liberals, will say gentrification does exist, but it's kind of like a it's not a bad thing. Um, so like all the other names for it that they use are like redevelopment or they'll even use words like beautification to kind of reframe it as a positive thing, not really acknowledging the effects, the displacement, the how it's a cause of homelessness. And these are the same people that are actually advocating violence against the houseless as well. So if you look at places like downtown LA that are trying specifically to attract a certain clientele of consumers, a certain type of yuppies, not just hipsters or millennials that are pricing out people in Boyle Heights and Echo Park as they're being gentrified, but DTLA is trying to attract a certain class of people. And this is having effects on the areas that are surrounding downtown LA, like the Figueroa Corridor, which is also impacted by USC students, Boyle Heights, which I believe is being targeted for a business improvement district. They're trying, they're calling it like the arts district. I don't know if it's an extension of the current bid system in downtown LA or the creation of a new bid. And then also in Echo Park, um, which you know, people will say like, oh, well, those areas aren't detail downtown L.A. And I'm not really saying that they are, but downtown L.A. business interests and housing interests and development interests are very much playing a role in how downtown L.A. and even commuters like interact with those areas because people driving to and from downtown L.A. go through Glendale, um, go through the 2 freeway to the 134 to the 5, and that's completely skyrocketing rents and um, moving people out in those areas. And so there's Echo Park 
three years ago, there was rumors that they were starting a bid there. And so now they're actually in the process of creating a business improvement district. And just to break down what a bid is, it's something that businesses say that they need to improve an area, but really it's a bunch of businesses coming together and paying money to lobby to have private security that works with the police to increase criminalization of youth of color in the area, the houseless community in the area, and to protect property interests and to help enforce gentrification. Um, so gentrification, yeah, isn't a neutral term, is is very violent, and we have to kind of examine the dynamics of how city centers like DTLA are affecting all the areas in the rest of the city. Like, you don't have to live in downtown LA to be affected by it in, in Los Angeles. Also, I just want to say, um, it's like 95 degrees in the studio that we're recording in right now. So if <laughs> that's happening, uh, I don't know what's going on with the AC. Um, so if you can, go to www.kpfk.org and donate so we can have AC and other working things. It's interesting you bring up beautification because that's such a, like, it's so insulting, right? Like, we're going to beautify it by getting rid of all, like, the people of color that live in this community. It makes me think of this one post in the Echo Park, Los Feliz, Silver Lake Facebook groups, which, if you want to see fascism, I mean, those groups are fascist and racist and classist. They're just, like, horrible people. And someone was posting about looking for a roommate in Echo Park and you know, yes, there's cockroaches, and yes, there's um, minorities in the same breath. Yeah, cockroaches and minorities, but, you know, hey, it's like a hip neighborhood. And, you know, that's how these people look at us. That's how they look at our communities. And I really, like, when I'm in Echo Park or Silver Lake, I really feel so much anger. It is so upsetting because none of these people are even from California mostly, you know, and they're all coming because of like the Hollywood industrial complex or because of the tech industry. White people in general are like locusts. They just go and they swarm around from space to space, destroying everything that was there before. They don't care about the communities that were there. It reminds me of Spike Lee when he was talking about what was going on in Brooklyn and about how his father had always played jazz and the new people were calling the cops on his dad, who's like played jazz there forever on his brownstone. I don't think they see us as human. I really don't. And I think that's why they feel like they can just come. And it's like the reverse of the white flight. And we just need to start rumors that it's super cool in Utah. (laughs) 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 Or like Oregon, where all the white people already are, and they can go there and have to deal with the like reactionary elements there. (laughs) These DTLA Los Feliz groups, you know, they're really like a micro example like, if Facebook is an experiment that gathers data on us. Which it is. Which it is. Right? <laughs> I don't know why I said if. You know, we can really see how other people react and what they think about the communities that they are, to some degree, occupying, targeting to move into, targeting for upheaval, for what they would call, you know, um, redevelopment. Which means that, you know, they're not acknowledging the community that exists, the dynamics that exist, the struggle that exists. And these Facebook groups, they're just, like, for example, there's so many examples of gentrification, but one of them, there's this dude who is selling tacos, and it's called White Boy Tacos. And it's essentially a co-optation of a survival technique, you know, of the immigrant community, black and brown communities that are vending or doing, like, street fair 
dynamics, but who are often criminalized for that. And it's just a running joke in these groups. It's not even, oh, let's go to this taco place. It's, you know, it's a joke to them that we would see that as an example of gentrification and of white opportunism and co-optation of struggles in this economy, under this economy, in this hierarchy. And I do see, like, a trend of, like, liberal fascism where you have these people who <laughs> they're voting for Bernie and they're running for neighborhood council, you know, and the their go-to person to tag is Jose Huizar and the local cop. They, they all have these people on tag, standby. Um, so when they have a concern, which is usually rooted in racism and, and ignorance too, or maybe even acknowledgement of, you know, displacement and criminalization, they will just go to and tag their city council person and tag the local police person to come criminalize for them. So they're using Facebook as a vehicle to defend and market their gentrification. Talking about food access, like this, the new... Uh, I think we've talked about it before, the new Whole Foods 365, like low, the people are calling it like a low income option, but it's in Silver Lake, Los Feliz area. So it's just so interesting, the 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 marketing and the branding. And a lot of people, they'll, they'll acknowledge gentrification, these liberal fascists, but they'll say the way to fight homelessness and low income people being placed out of these homes is to increase development um, with no restrictions. So they're not acknowledging that development in this city means lobbying city council to get these high rises in. There's no profit motive to build low income houses. And even if that was happening, why are we destroying low income housing that does exist? Why are we targeting communities that do serve under resource populations and turning them over to attract a higher wealth um, bracket? So I don't know, like, if they don't want to curb development, what are our responses to that? Like, if they're not even considering putting restrictions on development, then what are our options? And there is some organizing happening in Boyle Heights specifically because there are real realtor agencies that are specifically targeting areas. And a lot of these high-rises are empty, and they're ugly. They're just ugly. They were really just, they tear down these, like, beautiful brick buildings or, like, whatever architectural design that still had some sort of flair to it. And then they build these supposed to be, like, modern, boring-looking college dorm-type, quote, lofts are really just overpriced studio apartments. And and they're empty. And then you kind of have to think about it like globally, strategically, what's happening with gentrification in all the major cities in America. The way I look at it is, you know, whenever people talk about wanting to leave America if Trump wins or whatever, which, you know, I'd be just as scared if Hillary wins, they always talk about wanting to go to these other countries. But the thing is, you cannot avoid what's happening on the ground and the resistance. I think that It is safer for the bourgeoisie in America than it is outside of these borders. Basically, America is going to become and is becoming the rich safety place. So when you hear of all the stuff that's going on in Greece, people in France, after getting laid off, burning the cars of the CEOs, that's going to continue to happen in these countries, which are smaller and have a history of practicing more direct resistance. So it's going to be a really uncomfortable place for the wealthy. So where is the police state? Where is it like going to be more comfortable? Like Where are they going to be safe? 
America. And so that's why you see a lot of Jeffrey Palmer's, you know, Orsini's or Medici's and like all those luxury apartments that you see in downtown or they have for the USC students. There's also some in the West Side. If you look at the people who are staying there, they're mostly international wealth. What does that mean for us as in LA? We're being pushed out of our communities so that the wealthy of America and the wealthy of the world can enjoy our weather, can enjoy basically what we built to create this city. You know, because what is Los Angeles? What is New York? What is Chicago? What is Detroit? You know, without the non-white people that made it, it's nothing. It's nothing. And they're going to ruin it. And like the locusts they are, they're going to destroy it and move on to the next thing. Just an example that kind of follows through that about, you know, this growing conversation about how art is being used as a vehicle of gentrification. Sometimes like the first the first steps in gentrifying an area will be to bring in a seemingly neutral like art gallery. Then the thing is, you know, some of these spaces will tokenize certain particular people of color and put them on their website and say, you know, this is a non-gentrifying space. They'll even adopt the language because they acknowledge that there is resistance to gentrification and they don't want to be targeted by it. Um, and so that's what's kind of happening in Boyle Heights. There's this uh, art gallery that was opening called, I'm just going to call it Psst. It's P-S-S-S-T. And the people who are working at that gallery also work for a real realty company called Clint Lucan's Realty. And, you know, they brand themselves as being aware and conscious of uh, dynamics of displacement. So just like a note, you know, of all the ways in which gentrification happens. And so there's been organizing against them recently. There's a like a, I don't want to call it a spontaneous effort because I'm sure there was organization behind it. A recent effort called Arte Viene Renta Sube, and it means art comes and rent rises. Gentrification isn't just one thing. I, I think it's a category for a lot of things that are happening that include criminalization, that include rising costs of living, that a lot of people like these liberal fascists, they'll try to brand it as a positive thing. They'll be like, whoa, you're getting a Trader Joe's. But it's like, who is being pushed out? And what? why are we, why are there areas that are actually denied having certain resources or certain grocery stores or certain, their own community-led grocery stores or their own community local vendors that have been there forever in the first place? Why are those resources not there to begin with? Um, and why is gentrification being used as a, as, as a vehicle, as a category in the first place? I just think it has everything to do with policing uh, because you would have to systematically steal from communities to get them to a place where you feel like they're invadable to come in. And you actually, there's like a psychological warfare that has to happen where you tell communities that this is undesirable or like this is a problem and you need these corporations to come in. So it's just like a psychological warfare that has a lot to do with policing and relies on the police too to, to kind of be the like right arm of the corporations that come in and these real estate agents too and like people who are losing their housing which is enforced by the sheriffs and then there's a lot that isn't being talked about in terms of what happens when you are displaced that's just the beginning of the conversation because when you like are displaced the place that you're in is now reintroduced to the market and then you're kind of reintroduced to like houselessness and having to find a place in this market that is systematically excluding people that don't have capital, people who don't have white privilege. 
And there's just a lot of barriers to getting housing. It's not like gentrification is happening and displacement is happening, but housing is accessible. Gentrification is happening, displacement is happening, and housing is increasingly inaccessible and hostile, you know, and if you are houseless, you know, there are mechanisms to police you and to imprison you and to com- forcibly, people want force- to forcibly commit some homeless people. And that's considered a liberal fascist solution, which is, I think, a little genocidal. It's just kind of a cycle that's happening where gentrification is like this category, but there's all this stuff happening underneath it that isn't being talked about. And then what's not being talked about is like what happens when you are displaced and what, there's so many barriers to, to getting housing again. It's a comp- competition. Like the market is set up as a competition, which means that it's acceptable for people to be pushed out. It's a rigged competition, too. Mm-hmm. I'll see a lot of like liberals post about, you know, oh, you can make a crate into a house for homeless people, or you can take a bench and make it into a bed. And it's like, we, there's not a shortage of housing, there's just a shorting of affordable housing. There is a lot of empty buildings and empty houses and stuff that people could be saying. And if the city government wasn't working with developers to keep them high and wasn't keep giving them contracts to create these expensive apartment buildings, if Garcetti wanted to do something about homelessness and affordable housing and people who've lived in L.A. their whole life getting pushed out, he could easily. But he's choosing not to. If city council wanted to do something about it, it would have been done. But, you know, it's it's just like when you look at Alvarado and there's trash everywhere and there's trash cans that are full and they're overfilled. And then you look at Sunset in Echo Park and they have one for recycling and they have one for trash. Why why does Alvarado have to wait till you pushed all the people who live in that community out to get those trash cans? It's warfare. It's psychological. It's physical. It is warfare and it's violent. And it's scary because it's. Yeah, where do you live? Like, everyone's getting pushed out to the IE or to, like, Victorville or having to move to Nevada, to Vegas, where there's no jobs. And that's the thing, too. All of these white people who are coming from the Midwest or East Coast, they're also taking jobs. People want to talk about who's taking jobs. Who's getting these new tech jobs that everyone's talking about how Southern California is going to be the new Silicon Valley and Venice is going to be the new Silicon Valley? Who thinks going to get those jobs? You know, they're not hiring people from L.A. They're not hiring locals. People only start talking about support local business once the neighborhood's already been gentrified and that person has moved into it and been able to create that small business. So it's like, what is really happening? And then on the larger picture, it's like, yeah, I want to talk about the idea of borders and like the idea of land and not owning it. But like when you don't own land, when you don't own anything, like you're not safe. You can spend your whole life paying $2,000 or $1,800 a month on rent and then your landlord can kick you out and you don't have anything and you have nothing to show for that. What kind of society do we live in? And so it's like, For me, specifically, when I want to talk about, like, black people, we need our reparations. And it's not like we need it. Like, we deserve it and we need to have it. And it's like when you look at housing, the Fair Housing Act is BS. You take somewhere like South Pasadena and most of the people from there, like, South Pasadena, one, was created so that they can get away from the black people in Pasadena. And then if you look at all the people who own the homes there, they inherited it from their parents. So now they're able to, what, sell the house, go retire, and give the money to their kids so they can buy a house. And if you're not able to have that where your parents own a home first and they can then, you know, help you with your first deposit, then how are you supposed to get land? Land is the issue, you know, and whoever has land controls everything. And so this is going back to, like, feudalism. And this Mm -hmm. is going, you know, like, nothing's really changed. We just think it has, but it hasn't, and it's... It's a really effed up system. 
I mean, it's capitalism. You know, gentrification is capitalism, you know, and it's white supremacy. We keep finding new terms to, like, name capitalism, white supremacy, colonialism, because capitalism wouldn't have taken root here without white supremacy and anti-blackness, and it wouldn't have created this whole structure. The structure couldn't have been created without colonization. So, but if you look at the logic, the white supremacist logic of colonization that created America, it's not even a creative process, that destroyed the land and named it America, or destroyed the, the communities here and named it America. It was all based on entitlement. Entitlement to use violence to destroy cultures, to appropriate cultures, to build a structure, to build a hierarchy, to create a centralized authority called the government to assign rights to white male property owners. So it's like, but now we're living under the system, the underbelly of that system that says we're all, you know, I don't believe this, but we're all worthless and we have to qualify to deserve to live. (laughs) And then that's like basic level life, right? Like breathing. And we're supposed to be grateful for that. But then beyond that is like housing and then food. And then we could go on about water. (laughs) So there's a system that was created through entitlement and violence that exists that created this structure that then demands that we all like compete with each other um, in a racialized hierarchy, in a supremacist hierarchy, and that we have to qualify for housing. It just blew my mind because I was looking for housing like maybe two months ago, a month ago. And it came down to, like, the final days. Like, it always comes down for me to the final days. And, like, the last time this happened, I didn't have any savings. So, and, you know, there was a brief stint of houselessness. But it just blows my mind that you have to qualify for housing. You have to find someone that looks at you and accepts you Mm -hmm. and is like, you will be gifted housing. But it's not a gift. That's the wrong word. Like, you, I don't know, like, you qualify to pay the money. You know, like the money isn't qualification enough. Like you have to have a credit score. I've been hesitant to use the word discrimination for credit scores because there's so many different ways to discriminate. Um, But within credit scores, like I feel like the credit industry is built on hierarchies that systematically disenfranchise people. So and if you don't have credit is a number that you're assigned. So if you don't have credit, like you can't qualify for things. If you don't have savings, you can't qualify for things. So there's like really a whole conversation to be had about um, qualifying for housing. And I just think that's absurd, but that's the reality we live in. So we have to talk about all the ways that you do qualify. You have to make some places want double the rent up front. Some places want your income, you as one singular person, your income to be three times the rent. So if you're trying to get and like we haven't even gone over the prices in L.A., like the prices in L.A., are ridiculous. ridiculous and like I don't they're know going higher. they're only going higher like every time I've looked for housing I've looked for housing at least once a year in the last maybe once every year and a half in the last four years or five years and it goes up by $300 at least every time so it's like the cost of living is rising barriers are increasing and yeah it's just like the idea of qualifying for housing but it does go back to, to colonization and ownership of space and like denial of space and then I feel like even if you do like there's a friend who was trying to get a house you know buy a house and reasonably how much can a person save to put down but even let's say they had five thousand dollars to put down on a house 
even if they had it and they qualified and they had credit and everything, it doesn't matter because all these developers come in with cold cash and just buy the whole thing outright. So, you know, and then I feel like even if you do buy a house, you're not paying rent, you're paying mortgage, but rent and mortgage are super similar because the bank is just your landlord. So it's just it's just a system of access, a hierarchy of access. And the credit system is racist within itself. It's been shown that people with the same credit history of a white person will have a higher credit score. So the fact that, you know, yeah, that they check your credit is, is a way for them to be able to discriminate based on race without having to say that they're doing that. Or age, right? Because you could be young and not even have credit yet. And then they discriminate against you for that. There's just so many hoops you have to jump through. And just so you can have somewhere to sleep. I remember hearing that, and ugh, I hate hearing about them, but they're the type of people you just can't, you know, they talk about them on everything, that the youngest Kardashian had a mansion in Calabasas when she was 17, right? So I'm thinking about, like, my parents who've worked, like, every day for their whole life who's never owned a home, and this 17-year-old girl who's never worked a day in her life owns a mansion in Calabasas. If you don't think something's wrong with our housing situation in this country, then uh, you're not paying attention. And lots of people died this past winter um, on Skid Row from freezing to death. Why? Why? Why is that okay? Why have we accepted that? Like, why have we allowed that for so long? It's more than not right. You know, it's criminal and inhumane. I don't know. I'm not, like, just I'm at the point where I'm wondering, like, when are we going to do something? And then also then feeling disappointed in the idea of what can we do? They've gotten us to this point of submission. Yeah, I'm kind of like, what can be done? Like, how many... I hesitate to say this because I don't think it's cool to say or whatever, but I am i don't know if protests are the best thing. Like, I don't know... Like, I get that protest is a word that symbolizes collective action, and I appreciate and support collective action, and I think that things can be done that interrupt processes of power. I want to encourage people to have ideas that are a little scary, that ideas that push the comfort zone of like, what can we do? Because I do think that there, there probably we could outline five or six main ideas that could seriously interrupt or like destabilize because I can't even see like the other side of the hill. Like mm-hmm. we're, I, I can't even envision what the other side of the hill would look like or how to get there. But the only thing that I can envision is how to F this side of the hill up. <laughs> how to like the, the word that we've used before is sta- destabilize like and that's the only achievable goal that I see right now is like to cause enough destabilization that like why are people still going to these politicians why do you not everyone that's listening obviously but why do people why do we think the city council person is going to do anything but facilitate capitalism and racism and displacement and violence and and why do we think they're going to do anything but continue to give raises to cops? And I just, I'm at a loss. This is how we end every show. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think this is, <sighs> it's, I guess this is a question and a job for the next wave. Uh, <laughs> don't let those, um, don't let those orgs trick you.
Yeah, because the organizations <laughs> that say they're doing something about this are a whole different story. I mean, shout out to any orgs. I couldn't find any when I needed it. But shout out to any orgs that help people try to fight evictions for free. Because, like, if you're out there, that's cool. Because, like, when I try to look, I couldn't find anything. And, like, everything charged you. And you have all these, like, predatory, like, places that, like, or, like, try to fear among you. And you don't know what to do. And the whole process of, like, try to fight an eviction, it's, like, really effed up. Because it's set up for you to lose. Yes. Like, it's not set up for it to be a fair thing. It is set up for you to lose. And unless you can get an attorney really quick within the six days that it's been mailed to you then you're pretty much out of luck and displaced yeah it is set up to favor landlords because they're the ones that with wealth and capital and the title of ownership so you're just borrowing technically you're paying them but you're still looked at as doesn't matter like how much you paid them which if you think about it like why do i feel like the fact that we have monthly rent like, negates the fact that we don't think about how much we're paying a year. You know, like, if you think about it, thousands and thousands of dollars. Like, if you live in a place that is, I mean, I can't find, you can't, I, in my opinion, you can't find hardly anything for under a thousand. You can find some studios for under a thousand. That's what surprised me the most is that the studios went up from 700 to a thousand dollars. Now, I hear in some areas you can't, I'm not going to tell people where just in case there's. People that want to gentrify <laughs> listening. Yeah, they're like, ooh, but, them right, down. Oh, I gotta check out that area. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that's just amazing to me. $1,000. And if you look at it, it's like the size of this hot this hot studio right now, this lack of AC studio right now. And uh, that's $12,000 a year, you know? And then it goes up. Yeah. That's what I understand. It's like it the longer there. you stay there, the more expensive it gets. And I'm it like, be the reverse. Right? Because I'm like, my rent. Is went up twice. I've been at my place for three years, and it's gone up twice. And things are falling apart, and things don't work. And you know how landlords are so quick to fix things. Why am I paying more? And it's like, oh, because um, the property value went up. So what? Your property value went up. That doesn't change the dynamic of this house that I am renting, you know? I remember looking for places in 2012, and you used to be able to get a one-bedroom apartment in K-Town for, like, 800 800 900 mm-hmm. And it was before K-Town became, like, a hit place to live. Now K-Town's, like— K-Town's expensive. S- K-Town's so expensive. It's, like, 1500 1600 for a one-bedroom. That was five years ago. Like, I almost feel like you got to hurry up and figure out where you want to live. Hope it has rent control. And then hold your breath for and the next yeah. five years. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and know it's going to go up, like, 3% because, like— God knows I can't afford to buy a house. It's you. not just money. Like, oh, there's a lot of other things to qualify for a house. Like, these, it's up to the bank. Like, do they want to finance you? And then all the barriers that go with that and all the biases that go with that from the bank's perspective. And then they take it away from you. Yeah. If you're black and brown, then they still take it away from you. Well, the, they wait. They make maybe $50,000, $100,000 off of you. And then they flip it. The banks are in the business of flipping homes. The sheriffs are, too. Yep. I I don't understand how we're still at the point where people feel like it's like they feel comfortable driving around in their Porsches. They feel comfortable on Instagram flaunting their wealth. Like really, it should be at that point in society where people are scared of their wealth and like trying to hide Being their found wealth. Out. Yeah. Yeah. I think let's first like start attacking this idea that like wealth is success. Like wealth is evidence of violence and authoritarianism and hoarding of resources yeah we could go on yeah i mean 
thank you for listening and hearing us talk through these ideas and kind of hit the same roadblocks every time. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we don't have the answers. We're not supposed to. No one has the answers. So we're just supposed to talk about it. And, you know, if you think of anything or you have ideas or you just want to vent back, email us. Hit us up. Uh, on resistance la at twitter or on resistance radio at gmail.com or message us on our facebook um you've been listening to on resistance we're on every friday except the first friday at 7 30 you can tune into all our past shows on www.soundcloud.com slash on dash resistance hopefully um if we've raised enough money to renew our subscription and if you want to donate to this wonderful station that you are listening to us on, you can go to www.kpfk.org and donate there. Thank you.